brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. And however you are and whenever you are, you're listening to Paranormal Now on the Inception Radio Network. I'm your host, Alan B. Smith, and I welcome you to join us as we traverse the cosmic highway of paranormal pit stops and tantalizing turnoffs. My guest tonight is Jason Miller, uh, author, and uh, if I may, magician. I don't know, that might be a, a tricky name. We'll let Jason comment on that later. Uh, he's the author of Elements of Spellcrafting. So, Jason Miller, he is the author of four books on sorcery and spirituality. He's a teacher who runs courses on practical magic and meditation, and uh, as well as a consultant who specializes in the intersection between metaphysical influence and financial matters. And according to Jason, he is a sorcerer who can help nudge the powers of probability in your favor. Um, tonight, we'll be discussing his recent book, The Elements of Spellcrafting, 21 Keys to successful sorcery. Jason, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for being on. Um, so how do you feel about being called a magician? Oh, that's just fine. I've, I've been a magician since my teen years. My only correction to the intro is I have five books. Now. Ooh, okay. So it's uh, Protection of Reversal Magic, The Sorcerer's Secrets, Financial Sorcery, Sex Sorcery and Spirit, and The Elements of Spellcraft. So you're busy. and um, you, I'm a busy dude, yeah. Are you working on another book? Uh, no, just... Uh, I, I, in addition to that, I teach courses and everything online, so mm -hmm. I'm, I'm mostly working on uh, the stuff that's not available at Barnes & Noble and so on. Well, you know, I want to ask you at the top of the show here. Um, I was reading an article recently that dis discussed anthropologists... Uh, looking, or archaeologists rather, uh, looking at, uh, you know, our, our ancient ancestors, um, particularly Homo erectus, and the f fact that Homo erectus may have been able to use language, um, symbolic language, because they think that to travel um, as far and wide as they did, they would have had to use either boats or some kind of communication. Um, they were mixing, missing the Fox 2 gene that we have that you know is ascribed to us being so fluent in language and developed. But nonetheless, they think that there had to have been that case. Assuming that's true, that's pushing back the history of language um, near as we know it, not just thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, potentially, you know, two point something million years. And I, and I wonder, and I posted about this on Instagram, you know, if that's the case, were we using spellcraft? Were we using words and invoking that far back? And if so, it has to be one of the most ancient abstract thought, uh, thought uh, developments of, of any Homo erectus humanoid on this planet? Oh yeah, I mean uh, it's it's. I suppose it would only be natural, really. Um, you know, mm -hmm. when you when you figure 
the world that early man was faced with, um, just basic rudimentary tools, and you know, a world where where things like the moon and sun hang in the sky mysteriously, where there's this cycle of, of light and dark, mm-hmm. and um, <clears throat> you know, and and a world that because of its cyclical nature seems alive in every way i mean this is basic animism and so you can you can see how quickly children anthropomorphize things and and Uh talk to things and and so on as soon as we're able so it only makes sense that the moment language develops um and we're able to communicate with each other that we start talking to the universe even if it's only a like you know oh my god really like you know <laughs> we went out to get some food and dad got eaten like really come on and and so at the moment that you have that that ability to complain to the universe <laughs> It's only a very small baby step to then say, how about next time we do better? Like, maybe maybe there's something I can do to make you guys make it better. And so, you know, what do you want? You want you want me to burn some leaves? I like this smell of, you know, I, I dedicate this to you. It's rising up to, to your realm up in the sky or... Uh, you know, as I pour this into the ground, it seems to be disappearing down below into the uh, infernal regions. So, you know, why don't you take that and then, uh, you know, do me a solid. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's magic. And, um, you know, there have been some professors who look at magic as predating religion in the sense that magic is this attempt to kind of have some kind of control over the natural world over mm-hmm. over over probability over stuff happening sure. and uh then religion kind of steps in because of course magic doesn't work all the time and it's not foolproof so somebody has to be there to explain why bad things happen in general and and uh, so then religion comes in and say, well, you know, maybe we didn't burn enough of the stuff. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, I can totally see that um, people could be speaking things into existence or altering probability. And then, and then I think anyone who's taken any time away from the pitter-patter of the modern world knows what the power of silence is what the power of just turning the volume down on chatter can do for the mind and, and for clarity. So, you know, if you get these people coming off of, you know, their three-week meditation retreats and they're all like, wow, I feel, you know, imagine what it must have been like, uh, you know, to live somewhere where you only had the basic rudiments of language and you have... Uh, you're living that close to the cycle of life and death, and the sounds you hear are the sounds of nature because there is nothing else. 
So it's it's really a profound thing to to sit and consider um, what people at those stages must have thought or considered or contemplated. So after tens, hundreds, maybe millions of thousands, millions of years, has magic worked? <laughs> well, you know, uh, magic is like anything else. It, it can work. Um, it's not a guarantee. It's, it's an influence. Uh, a really common definition of magic from Aleister Crowley is the art uh, of, of causing change in accordance with will. And I have changed that to, well, you know, for me and my students, I, I you know, far be it, I haven't changed it and everybody's on board. But the way that I change that is uh, to say it's an influence on reality. So it, it leverages things. Uh, it's, a, it's a lever. It works enough for most people that try it to convince them that it's real, that it's worth uh, repeating, that it, it provides an edge. Mm-hmm. But anyone that wants to stand up and say it works all the time and no matter what I ever use it for, it works, well, you know, no. <laughs> well, I, I guess if it was a 50-50, you just would stop. Right, I mean, you you wouldn't do it. Right, yeah, no, it's it's more, uh, you know, if it if you, it it's got to be well over eighty percent for for you to want to bother with it. Which means and, you feel like that that's the case for you then. Right. Okay. I, I, Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. I feel like that's the case for me, and I feel like that's the case for most people that are diligent and skillful. Um, and, And similar to, say lawyers that win Kate you know you don't want a lawyer who loses half the cases he's involved in but it's very hard to find a lawyer who wins a hundred percent of the cases they're involved in right it's you want a doctor who diagnoses things correctly and nails it 80 90 percent but no doctor is going to give you a guarantee that it comes through all the time. And then when we get into corporate consultants, uh, you know, hedge fund managers, and weathermen, those statistics start to drop precipitously (laughs) to the point where I would say, well, you know, the professional magician probably holds his own better than some of these folks. So, uh, you know, that's how I feel about it. In the book, you alluded, well, you didn't allude, you made it very clear um, that, yes, it's an influence, um, but it's not just about intention. 
Yeah. And that seems to be the, the trending thing for like a good now ten years now since the secret came out or whenever that came out, and that, and that kind of like turned everything, you know, into its own philosophy. Everyone's like, oh yeah, magic or prayer or whatever it is, positive affirmations. It's all the same thing. It's all about intention. So, um, how do you feel about that? Uh, it's you know my 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 career started rebelling against that um, that idea. Uh, there was I remember there was a popular site. It's probably still in existence called Witchbox, and uh, I don't remember why, but they used to have these monthly themes. And whatever the monthly theme was, it was just packed with people writing in. You know, you don't need to worry about what color the candle is or or what the proper herbs are or Mm. it's just the intention that matters it's just focused intent and you know i i was just sitting there reading these things as they came in thinking um, yes yes for thousands of years people painstakingly sometimes under 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 great secrecy for fear of persecution, not just under the church, but Rome and and other religions as well, Um, you know, recorded these things, kept them secret. The papyri, the Greek magical papyri were buried sometime in the third century just to keep these things safe, you know, because none of it really mattered and all that you needed was your intention and your your happy thoughts and you get this a lot and, but of course it's not true um, it and and in a way it sets up uh, this impossible paranoia of the mind to where sometimes when I teach meditation I'll teach a stoic technique of of uh, of premed, excuse me, I can't talk tonight. Premeditatio malorum, where you sit and you think about, basically, you think about dying, or you think about losing a family member, or you think about your business going to part, and you you contemplate it in excruciating detail. Now, this is a psychological meditation, not not a magical one. And people will will say, but but what about the secret? What if you let if you let those thoughts happen? that could really happen and I'm like this is what we're doing we're making people afraid of their own brains you know Hmm. that we can't even think about what happens if someone dies for fear of kids well we've been doing that for a long time though I mean knock on wood don't walk under a ladder don't say it out loud you know exactly yeah exactly Um, and magic is not about that at all um magic has there's no one thing necessary for magic so all the things that these people were trying to say you don't need them get rid of them they're all important now that's not to say they are all indispensable you can replace them you can change them you can filter them out and in some things you can do without it and something else contemplates I can get I don't know where in the country you are, but I can get from my house to yours without a car. It's going to suck, <laughs> but I can do it. Mm-hmm. You know, 
uh, it's just gonna it's gonna be a very different trip. So all of the everything matters. Nothing is indispensable. Um, so, but intention is absolutely not the only thing that matters. And, and yeah, that's one of those things that I wanted to get rid of in the book. <laughs> like, right? Well, I mean, because there's a balance that has to take place psychologically anyway. And you're right. You can't assess. Um, over thoughts because you know that if they're negative thoughts it's going to take you down that path you also can't not think about them um, so there's a difference between thinking through something reflecting on something or just feeling it for a while because you need to sit in that and feel it um, and then on the flip side you can you can say okay now that I've thought through this what's my intention now what am I going to do I think that is effective whether you want to define that as magic or not, I don't know, but I know that when I take the time and you know I meditate and I try to keep my mind focused towards a certain state of mind or some a goal that I have, I'm more likely to to get there. And I know that that's like for me, that's oh, a scientific without, fact. Without a doubt, yeah, without a doubt. Um, that's and see that is that is a. a that kind of focused intention can have results in and of itself. And, and it, it, for one thing, you nailed it right on the head. By keeping yourself focused on that thing, it helps you get there, you know? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I see um, in the occult world people losing is the idea of staying on something and staying interested in something. And this isn't necessarily to affect the magic so much as it is to stay on the mundane stuff. So for instance, when people tell me that they're interested in proving their finances, you know, and, and they, they want to, uh, if not get rich, that's very rarely anyone's concern to, to be, you know, super rich but they want to be well off they want not to have to worry about money um so the first thing i'll say is well you know we can do some magic for this but what do you know about money Mm. well it turns out not very much what what is your information diet you know if this is something you're serious about then maybe 30% of your information diet should be devoted to understanding that thing. Another 30% can be towards magic and another 40% can be towards, you know, everything else that we need to know, news and and, uh, Mm -hmm. entertainment and so on and so forth. Uh, But people then are very resistant to this kind of thing. But if we have this held in the mind and we're holding it as an intention of something we want to accomplish and state then we stay with it in all ways yeah not and what what magic and sorcery says there are ways to take that baseline and amplify that through the time-tested techniques uh but if we lose that, if we let go of, of that mundane holding on to the idea of keeping mm-hmm. with it, then the magic doesn't have anything to grip onto. And in fact, we end yeah. up doing things that are counteractive to the magic. 
so it's like an increase in probability so if i'm if you know if i want to be an actor but i have not taken a single acting class i never went for an audition i don't know many people in the acting world if i decide to do a magic spell to to make me a famous actor i'm working against the spell as it were absolutely okay spell crafting in in the first place you know there's a lot of people that are scared of that i do so and i'm sure you've had to you know uh defend yourself and and you know fend off people but trolls online and then the sort and not not so much really yeah we're we're you know uh, i don't know in 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 the internet world age everyone is, is unfortunately in some ways uh in their own lanes you know a world to themselves it's very well, easy yeah. to just block and unfriend somebody who who shows up and they want to be a belligerent jack you know what i don't know if i can cuss on the air or not so we'll we'll leave it out but you know if somebody wants to be be a hater so <laughs> then it's really easy just to say, you know what, this isn't the place for you. Click, 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 sure. gone, and, and, and that's that. So, yeah. I mean, I suppose if I was appearing on CNN or something like that, then uh-huh. obviously I would be subjected to a lot more, uh, you know. Well, I, it, to me it <laughs> seems even, even some of the most uninteresting subjects um, in social media. There's always somebody on there who has something nasty to say about it. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, I've experienced that on my own accounts. You know, it's... And, you know, I, I don't take that very seriously. Um, but, uh, you know, I know that there are some very hardcore conservative religious people that would um, consider what you do evil. Yeah. With, with Are you doubt. evil, Jason Miller? Oh God, I am. I I am not. I am. I, I, am, so. okay. uh, I hate to disappoint, but yeah, you know, no, I I am. I am not. I am uh, significantly on the not evil side of things. Good to know. Okay. Uh, you know, and his, when, historically, if you know, if we understand history as we do, and even even as we learn more. Like you had mentioned earlier, you know, we've been thinking out loud and, and wishing for things and hoping for things and maybe, quote, praying, I use that word loosely, for a very long time before religion even really existed. Um, so it seems odd to me that anyone would, would consider, you know, a, a call to the forces of nature or, or, you know, what have you, an evil thing. It's, it's what you want to do with whatever power you're tapping into. Um, have you ever actually affected, I mean, real positive uh, change that you can you knew was directly because of your, your spell casting or, or, or crafting? Yeah, yeah. There, there have been a number of times where there has been a... Uh, now, again... Uh, there have been a number of times that there has been a near instant turnaround as mm-hmm. far as something. 
but I, whenever I talk about the stuff that that makes for an impressive story, you know, uh, someone who had been out of work for two years, and we did a ritual, and at the end of the week. Uh, they were finally offered a job in the six-figure range, um, which was, you know, to be fair, they were in, they were at the top of the five-figure range before, and you know, so it was not, uh, you know, it can, I, it's something that if I, it's not something I, I walk around going look. You know, I got somebody a six-figure job because they got themselves a six-figure job, and I influenced a little bit. You know, um, well, sure. I mean, it's I mean, not, not to right. parallel it with something so uh, I don't know blasé, but you know, it's like someone who has a skill set, but they don't know how to put together a resume. You know, they don't know how to dress for a job interview. You start adding these factors. These are what you would call influencers. Right. And and magic for you is is just one more form of that. Exactly. It's it's one more form of that. And and the type of magic you you do can can up the influence. I mean, there are ways to 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 really uh, you know pack on the power. But again, if we're if we're working against ourselves, uh, that's all the more work it has to do. But the, so there, you know, this was the case where it happened within a week, which is better than anyone expected. So we could turn around and be like, wow, you know. And when you collect a few of these over the course of your career, then it leaves you, first of all, with with the idea that, you know, this is now unmistakable. It's happened too many times. There's too many things that we can call coincidences. But when it's a constellation of coincidences... You know, if we met, if we do a meta analysis of it, mm-hmm. um, it's too much to be a coincidence. But I also I hesitate. I always tell people there are there are things that can happen with magic that are truly like, wow, that was like wizardly. That was Gandalf stuff. Like you 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 said Karukula's mantra to influence the police officer as he came over to the car and the police officer it was like one of the stormtroopers and you were just like these are not the droids you're looking for and he went away it's so, it, ha- it, it can it, happen and, right that has happened as well okay um well you know let's let's hold it right there we're coming up to the the first break okay. um this is my guest jason miller with us tonight um and uh yeah we're talking magic and spellcrafting his book the elements of spellcrafting 21 keys to successful sorcery this is a really fun topic um when we come back jason i'd like to discuss further um you know the practicalities of magic and do only the young do magic or when people get older, does it sort of just fade away? This is Alan B. Smith on Paranormal Now. We will be right back. For only those people who are young and naive and, and, and you know, into Harry Potter. <laughs> oh, no. I know, I know. You've heard it. I know you have. No. Um, in fact, I, I don't think there's uh, a ton of crossover from the uh, from the Harry Potter crowd. Oh, um, you know, maybe from the the Dungeons and Dragons and and uh, hmm. 
I don't know, other other sci-fi fantasy crowd. Um, but, no, it's not. I mean, this is something that people have been doing throughout human history. Uh, for most of human history, it has been something that has not been for the young to do. Um, in fact, I remember William Gray told a story that uh, he was told by his teachers, get settled, get a wife, family, career going first, and then worry about magic. Um, you find this in the Kabbalah, that, that uh, uh, warnings for, for people under a certain age not to do Kabbalistic magic because it can blow up the ego and so on. Hmm. So, uh, whatever the trends may be now, there are plenty of uh, older magicians. I'm 45, uh, and I still try my best to be the youngest person in a room. So, a lot of my teachers are still around and kicking and meeting with. Uh, people that are baby boomers or, or, or other Gen Xers now that we're, uh, you know, aging into that bracket. Um, you know, I think it's undeniable that it's certainly popular with millennials these days and, and, and people uh, even younger. Um, but it's definitely not a practice primarily for the young or... or uh, and it's certainly being naive has nothing to do with it. Uh, you know, the amount of, again, professionals, uh, people that teach at universities, people with positions in government and business is pretty darn high. Okay, so it's not necessarily um, like a fantasy-prone thing. No, I'm, and I try my best, actually, to deter uh, too much overlap between fantasy and magic. Uh, obviously, if you're interested in magic and the occult, you might be interested in fant literature that touches on fantasy or occult horror or something like that. Everybody loves The Ninth Gate or something like that. Um and there are segments of the occult community and the, and the magical community that want to embrace this. And, and uh, chaos magic, which was a big deal in, in the 90s and, and early 2000s, and, and still is um, in, in better ways. Gordon White is a, is a great example of uh, modern chaos magic done in a fantastic way. But um, that this idea of sort of making fantasy and magic intermingle so that you're invoking mm -hmm. these characters from fantasy books and, and so on. Uh, not my cup of tea at all for a number of reasons, and not the least of which is magic being a subtle art. Um, we have to worry about projecting onto it. If we're trying to perceive things that are subtle, the voices of spirits, the, the, you know, things like this that could easily be mistaken for a voice in the head. 
to my idea, it's it's a good sorcerer. It's a solid magician who is concerned about fantasizing as opposed to actually perceiving something. So I call this the the perception-projection ratio. Uh, You want to project less. And if you're obsessed with fantasy novels and and Dungeons & Dragons and other role-playing games, I'm probably aging myself just by referencing Dungeons & Dragons now. Well, uh, let me just stop you there really fast. Yeah. Are people not playing Dungeons & Dragons uh, like they used to? Oh, God, I don't know. Are they? I, I think... I see everything is video games. I see a lot of um, Dungeons and Dragons around at the bookstores, but also something called Pathfinder and a mm-hmm. few other yeah. games. So I don't know. I don't. Pl- I haven't played role playing games in decades. I, I've never actually played Dungeons and Dragons, but I, after all these years, I'm still curious. So one day when the opportunity comes, I, I do want to try it. I just want to just jump in and see what it's like. Um, you know what it is? It, it, was a, it was a lot of fun, but as I got older, people that wanted to play it were very serious about it. And so it was like, if you wanted to play, you have to be a twice a week at this house and, you know, or you'll, you'll get left behind in the story. And... I just can't commit to that, you know? I mean, once you have a girlfriend, wife, kids, job, et cetera, et cetera, this, the game becomes a little less important. So, uh, so the game, if, I mean, if the game can get, it can get that serious, that intense. I, I think for a lot of people, hmm. and, but you know, if it becomes one of those two or three pursuits, that people dedicate themselves to if they're that serious about it, and that's fine. I mean, when you look at uh, the amount of effort people put into fantasy football, uh, yeah. and, and yep. or or any other hobby or distraction, I think it's good to have something. Yeah, uh, you know, it's it's funny you brought that up because I, you know, for so long people would make fun of people, right, who do Dungeons and Dragons, and then now we have fantasy football, and that's okay. You know, that, that's normal. You know? Right. Well, that, that, you know, that traditionally plays, you know, that's that's alpha male right, kind of right. stuff there. You're good to go. Yeah. Johnny. yeah. It's, um, so, yeah, that, there is there is that. I mean, me, I, I, I don't think it's too good to be obsessed with anything that you're not yourself doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again you know that's now we're talking life advice so you know and who am i to yeah. give that <laughs> well i mean I've, I've heard that uh wicca is one of the fastest growing if not the fastest growing religion in america um it was at one point um i don't know if it still is i i it, it's been uh you know at one point islam was wicca has been uh at a certain point the the Amish were growing crazy fast, um, which you know not everybody knows about. But uh, you know, it, it, if you look at a map of like property holdings, it's mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, well, I, I so, if yeah, but it's growing fast. It is. Um, 
and and, and like you said, because yeah, I'd asked you about age, and there is a sort of like image of you know people in their like teens or twenties that are that are the Wiccans of today. Um, but I have a friend, you know, who was he's sixty something now, um, retired, and he's been a practicing gardenarian since uh, I don't know late sixties or seventies. You know, I mean, it, but he's just not on Instagram, right? You know, posting this stuff, yeah. And, and see, that that is one of the things that is leading to the boom for younger people is the digital age. Um, you know, when I got in touch with my first coven, it took years of just kind of hanging around the cult stores or even just the New Age section at this before Barnes and Noble, so just Walden books at the mall. Um, and then, Wait, you're uh, from New Jersey, aren't you? Yeah, I am. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Born and raised um, here. So uh, we we've got uh, you know, and and when I joined the Order of Templi Orientis, the magical order that Aleister Crowley uh, was famously involved in, it took you know weeks and months to get in touch with the lodge and set up initiations and so on and nowadays someone can be watching a history channel special and they mention you know nazis in the occult because there's no straight history on the history channel anymore <laughs> and and so they hear the name alistair crowley or something and they google it and by the end of the evening they can have their application in to join the order and uh, have made contact with, uh, you know, a local pagan bulletin board and, and introduce themselves to all the, the, the people that know anyone in their area. It's amazing. Yeah, no, it is. Um, I, I still like to, to wander the occult book section, paranormal section of the store. Yeah, I could do that virtually. But it's, I don't know, it's just not as fun as going in there, pulling a book off the shelf, flipping through the pages, you know, putting it down. I I, I feel like I'm, I'm more reflective um, when I'm doing that rather than it's so much easier to just click through things online. Yeah, no, I, I love the store. And uh, if you can, if you have an excellently curated a cult store or a new age store, then all the better because now you're immersed in, in that environment and you're you're talking to someone, the shop owner who hopefully knows something. Some of the best early connections I ever made were through meeting people at stores and, and, and hanging out at stores. It's a little bit like the role of the record store back in the 50s through the 80s. Uh, you know, you would not only go there to get your records, but you would go there to find out what was cool, what was what people were listening to, and um, yeah, it's wonderful. But even now at, at the box stores at Barnes and Noble, yeah, I absolutely love to see what's there and open the book and and take a wander through. Okay, so let's, let's, that, let's wander that through. Amazon's algorithm gets me sometimes, right? In the wow, how they know I would yeah. want that? <laughs> That's true. That's true. I mean, yeah, I'm not. I'm not. You know, uh, saying that it's a bad thing. You know, that we that we flick through things online because I do discover a lot of things that are interesting, of course. But you know, it's it's sort of like what we were talking about before. If you if you take the time to 
you know, to focus on, on the things that you're interested in, you know, those are the things that you'll kind of bring to life. But if you're just constantly distracted by the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, even though you and you may think, oh, I'm learning more, I'm learning more, I'm learning more. You're not learning deep. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how important is it to, to study the history of the spells themselves or, or uh, you know, for a broader sense, I guess, you know, paganism or, you know, witchcraft? Wow. You know, it's... Um there's there's a harmony that has to be in place between practice and study and what happens is with the advent of the internet and and also the publishing boom there's just so many more books out now and and it's not just the the accumulated books over the course of the years, the decades, but every year there seem to be more and more and more because of course the avenues of publishing. You have not only the, the traditional publishers, but self publishers, mm-hmm. boutique publishers, you know, and, and all of these things are good. This is not a complaint about any of that. I, I'm all for more information. But um, when I was coming up there was sort of there were a few books and then you would have to do something with what you had um and and so because there just wasn't anything else to learn from yeah and then you would do some stuff and meet some people and then you would find out about ways to go deeper you would eventually start hitting the folklore and this history section of the bookstores and Mm -hmm. even veering into you know, the medical or the financial or, or other sections of the bookstores that anything that you wanted your magic to touch upon. Today, however, people can become paralyzed with too much information. You know, it's, it's uh, like I'm afraid to do anything until I know everything I can possibly know. <laughs> and you will forever be studying and never practicing if that is the case and uh the truth is it's it is great to know the history of everything and it is great to know the different ways that things are done um and and i would argue that if you have no interest in those things then it's disrespectful especially if we're talking about things from another culture or something like that to just kind of roll in and just be like yeah you know i'm doing this thing that you know is based on tibetan something or other but yeah i don't know anything about it um you know i just i just know the spell uh but at the same time you got to get down. You got to get your hands dirty a little bit, and it's not, you know, once you know enough to do it, then you're good to go. You know, you know some common sense protections, and uh, most of the time, everything's going to go just fine. Okay, so you also, speaking of history, I think made an emphasis in the book about knowing the purposes behind the matter of the the spellcrafting. So I, I think this is probably good for anyone who's actually interested, you know, in this and don't know anything about, the, about um, 
you know, magic and those who are experienced, uh, you, you say that it doesn't matter what you are putting into the spell. It's not just about intention. Can you talk more about that? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, when you are, when you are using, let's say you're making, let's say I'm making a mojo bag for you to have more listeners next year. <laughs> you know, let's, let's say a, a good 30% bump in listeners next year. And uh, I think to myself, you know, a, a good mojo bag would have High John the Conqueror root in it um, and maybe, uh, you know, I don't know, Slippery Elm and I'm just thinking off the cuff here, um, you know, cinnamon in it, you know. And cinnamon is is really it's traditional. It's nice and hot. It's uh, related to the sun, and uh, the the high John the Conqueror route is is traditionally um, it, well. It's it's a big round bulb. It's kind of like kind of like balls, <laughs> and uh, you know the doctrine of signatures say you know it's kind of it's 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 power it's mastery and, and high john the conqueror is uh it, the root is named after a, a, an african-american folk hero um from slavery era people that are interested in in the 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 figure of high john the conqueror should read uh mules and men by zora neale hurston uh and, and you know find out more about that uh slippery elm is uh an herb traditionally thought to loosen the tongue and and uh make one more eloquent so you know just these three items now let's say we don't have one of those things and you know oh no what do we do <laughs> do we just write you know, hi John the Conqueror on a piece of paper because intention is all that matters and then they hand you a bag with just papers in it. No, because magic works on multiple levels. That's why it's a little different than prayer, a little more than prayer. Um, it's it's a little more than just focused intention. It, it filters things down from that mental level uh, into that energetic level and then down into the to the physical level. So it's okay if we don't have those things, but what we replace them with can change the nature of things. So let's say we didn't, I don't know why you wouldn't have cinnamon, it's available everywhere, but um, we, we say, okay, well, I don't have any cinnamon and we need to do it now, but I do have some licorice root. Okay, well, we're taking away that element of the spell that is sort of heating things up and attracting attention, and we're replacing it with something that is sweetening, that uh, will is is traditionally thought to bend people to your to to your way of things, but in in kind of a gentle way, a sweetening mm -hmm. way as opposed to, say, calamus root, which is thought to bend people to your will, you know, like a little forceful. You know, you wouldn't want that. 
as a podcaster. If somebody said, well, you know, Calamus is for influencing, right? Well, you might not want that because there are good ways to influence people and there are bad ways to influence people. Anyone that has ever met a salesman has probably, you know, either had a good experience or a bad experience. But I think most people of a certain age know the experience of walking out of a store with something and go, I don't even know why I let that guy talk me into this. Right? Like they were successful, but they were a little coercive, and you're probably not going back. So that's not what you want. <laughs> so the, the licorice root will do, the calamus root won't. Um, so things like this, this is why I kind of devoted two chapters that, that play off one another. Um, you know, everything matters, but not everything is. Uh, I forget even how I said it. You know, not everything is essential. Like you right. can switch things out. But yeah. Um, so, uh, if you just put an intention out there, I want whatever. What comparing these two processes? What you're not doing is is filtering it down, like you said, and directing it and saying. Um, Yes, I want this, but I don't want anyone hurt, and I don't want. And so your your crafting is um, a a means to to direct more specifically what you want the intention to be. It is, it is, and so there's also more to it than just your own mind. Mm -hmm. um, if we think about even if we take a, a mental view of these things, that it, it's human mind or, or energy that, that gives rise to these things, okay. which, I'm, I'm, which I would dispel, but even if we took that position, um, we also have the accumulated power of that over time. Right, so we have the idea that this is a tradition. This is has meaning above and beyond whatever you may think of it, which is why someone who is praying to Jupiter or doing a spell invoking Jupiter is going to get better results than someone who is invoking Scrooge McDuck because they think that Scrooge McDuck is awesome and, and it's their mental image, right? But there is a long tradition, there is a power, there is an anima behind the figure of Jupiter that, that speaks volumes. And you can see this when people make unintentional errors and the results they get reflect those errors even if they're not aware of them. Uh, because it's not just them. It's not, you know, it, it's kind of uh, almost solipsistic to feel that, like, it's just your mind doing this, right? And if we're to accept the fact that it has an effect on reality, then we should entertain the idea that maybe it's not just your mind. So there is something there beyond that that is having an effect as well. And then this is multiplied if we consider the idea that spirits are real, gods are, and, and powers that can be invoked are real. In whatever facet 
you want to deal with them as you can hear my cat <laughs> just right laughing there. at that <laughs> I, I think my I, I, yeah uh, so anyway <laughs> um, so we we laugh and think that these these things are not real but uh, they can have a very real effect mm. and so you see this too in in churches in say the catholic church it's not just prayer the protestants you know we have we in america have a very protestant attitude towards things whether we're protestants or not just america is a protestant sure. nation and so we don't we lose this idea that well why would i ever pray to a saint i just go right to jesus right well, you know, the reason you go to a saint is because the saint is a spirit, a little closer to the reality that you live every day. You're asking that saint to pray for you to God, and then maybe to an angel to carry out that action. So maybe if you're a magician, you're also invoking an angel. Uh, I, I, I like to use the saints and angels together. It's kind of a loop. <laughs> like, bring this up to heaven, bring it down. Um, and so you, you've got this, uh, this, this reality to it, and then you emphasize, you, you bring that right down into the physical by going to the church and lighting a candle, by if you go to the local Catholic church, you can buy a St. Joseph sell your house kit where, you know, there are certain candles and oils and you bury Joseph. You know, if you're Italian, you bury Joseph upside down in the yard. Your grandmother would have told you until he sells your house. Well, that's a, yep. Now we're now we're talking spells. This is now witchcraft proper. So it's all just steps. Right. And and um so in a way you can say um witchcraft is the province of of religion um no yes yeah but it doesn't it's not exclusively the province of religion but yes it it does it is it belong it is part of religion for sure okay well you know we're coming up to the second break let's hold it right there my guest is uh jason miller author of the elements of spell crafting this is alan b smith for paranormal now on the inception radio network and when we get back let's ask jason um What's the place in modern times for uh, the modern witch? We'll be right back. My guest tonight is Jason Miller, author of The Elements of Spellcrafting. Uh, Jason, before we continue on with our conversation, where can people find out uh, about your book? Uh, well, you can look up Elements of Spellcrafting uh, pretty much anywhere books are sold, as, as any, you know, any Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, indie books. Uh, and you can find out about me at strategicsorcery.net. Strategicsorcery.net. Um, is that where your blog is as well? Uh, yeah, the blog is there as well. Okay. Yeah, so I wanted to ask you, you know, what is the place for modern day witchcraft sorcery um, now? Well, um, you know, it it's it it really depends on 
who is doing it and how public they want to be. Um, I have often argued that the the place for it is in the shadows. <laughs> um, now, this is not to say that witchcraft as a religion, Wicca as a religion, should be in the shadows. That's not the case at all. Okay. But wit, but sorcery, doing magic for things to happen, mm-hmm. um, usually when you're doing it, you want to keep things private until they're done. Um, now, obviously, if you're someone like me, this is my career, uh, so I'm out in the open and, and public and all that. Um, but in general, it, you know, if, if you are um, coming out as a magician or something like that, then uh, it can... I'm not so much concerned about blocking people from uh, or, or making friends uncomfortable or something like that, but uh, it can certainly be an obstacle in certain careers. It can be an obstacle in family life and so on. So there's nothing wrong with keeping your practice private. People have done this for many, many you know, hundreds of years always have. And, well, oh, and, just to clarify, when you yeah. when you say private, do you mean the actual practice itself or just the awareness of it? Uh, just the practice itself. Okay. I, I'm I I would you know I mean there are some people out there who uh, they I guess there is a difference between the reenchanting of the world and doing sorcery. And so I do think the world needs more mysticism. I think the world needs more enchantment. I think the world needs to embrace mystery again. Uh, I think a lot of the problems that are brought by fundamentalism in religion can be dispelled by re-embracing religion as a mystery this is something that was lost ironically in in the age of reason and enlightenment where uh thing you know because we wanted to view the world through through the lens of reason through the lens of science which is a good thing don't get me wrong i'm not bitching about science and reason but um what happened to religion is then people stopped asking, people stopped having faith that there is spirit, faith that there is God, looking at scripture as mysteries to be contemplated and began to look for cosmological truths, to have faith in. Do you believe this? This is, believing this is necessary for your salvation. Um... And it, it became a very different thing. So that kind of magic, that re-enchantment of the world, the the embracing that there are things out there that we don't know, and 
to not shy away from them. This is a good thing. Um, well, yeah, I mean, that's... Be it magical or paranormal. And that's why but, I love the paranormal, and that's why, you know, the... You know, the thing I like to repeat um, is live in the mystery or stay in the mystery. Right. You know, because I feel like that place, no matter, you know, what you're interested in, that place we're, we're sort of, I think, naturally drawn to. And if we ignore that place within our souls, um, I feel like we we are missing something. We are. I And it, that's exactly right. So I'm not telling anyone to hide their spirituality. I'm not telling anyone to hide uh, their religion or anything like that. As far as I'm concerned, uh, whether you're a, a Christian mystic, whether you're a pagan, whether whether you're a Satanist, you should be able to to come out, hang it proud, wear it well, and uh, you know if you if you're a person of, of good nature and you have uh, valid spiritual teachings, then that's what's going to shine through. Um, but when it comes to sorcery, when it comes to the fact that the guy in the cubicle next to you might be getting the promotion because of some ritual he did at night, when it comes to uh, the fact that this other person, uh, you know, might be even taking revenge on someone that, or, or, or for some slight, because unfortunately there are a lot of petty people out there who did that kind of thing. Um, this can then cause a lot of problems. Well, let me it's ask very you. Different I mean, than the religion or the spirituality. Yeah. So this could happen now, but let's fast forward fifty years. Um, there's no sign that you know the trend of of growing um, you know witches or sorcerers or pagans, what have you, will slow down. Um, so fifty years from now, there might be someone right next to you who is equally qualified as you and is also skilled in spellcrafting and you both want the same job how does that work it happens all the time now um it, it happens it happens all the time now it, it's very pro i mean magic is very prevalent it's not only called it it doesn't only happen when people refer to it as magic in the occult you know if someone uh you know, I lived in Asia for a time. I lived in Kathmand, uh, outside of Kathmandu in a town called Bodhanap, and, and magic was everywhere. Uh, people were doing all sorts of sorcery and and uh, rituals for this, that, and the other thing. So it absolutely happens. But there again, we have to go back to that magic is an influence. So what type of magic is being done? One person versus another person. And, uh, are they really the same? Are they mm -hmm. uh, doing? Are they exercising the same amount of pressure? If so, then perhaps something else will make or break the deal for that promotion. Like too um, much cinnamon or too little. Well, 
it could be, you know, it's not necessarily going to be too much sentiment or too little, but uh, it could be that if the magic really equals each other out or cancels each other out, uh, it could be that one is taller than the other one. Um, you know, there, there's, uh, if someone is like me, you know, uh, I'm not obese, but I'm overweight enough that you know I've got the Dunlap the belly Dunlap over the belt um, so you know it takes a lot of effort for a suit to look good whereas somebody who's very fit and svelte you know even if you don't have the bias against somebody who is uh, you know fit to, in your position just clothes look better on them period and you know, end of story. Uh, so they look more put together. They look less disheveled. They give the appearance of someone who is uh, neater and better at what they do. And that's that's a reality as well. So maybe one of them fits that bill. Maybe one of them fits another bill. Uh, magic is an influence, and it's it's rare that the magic is absolutely equal and just cancels itself out. But it's just like the situation is not fundamentally different than if you had two candidates who were not magicians, who were more or less uh, equal for a position. You know, what do you choose? Well, you wind up choosing something stupid. You wind up, well, you know, so-and-so took three sick days this year and the other candidate didn't take any, so... Sure. They get the job. <laughs> so, so things don't change. If you're on equal footing and you're both, um, you know, doing spellcrafting and you're good at it, then really could just come down just like you didn't do the spellcrafting in the first place. It just, there's going to be one little thing about the other person that's going to win over the, the person. Right. So, uh, you know, I was being facetious about evilness earlier, but I mean, there must be uh, people who do misuse spellcrafting out there, right? Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, I, I, I guess I, I mean, there are people who misuse it in my estimation. I guess they're not misusing it in their estimation. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there are all sorts of uh, cases where people do horrible and petty things uh, with or without magic. Um for reasons that make the rest of us go, why? And so when you introduce magic into the mix, when you introduce uh, a force that is unseen, that, uh, you know, has no evidence that, or, or I should say little evidence. There are people who, um, you know, there was a, a radio host Earl in mid-2017, and she was being prosecuted for something. And when the FBI raided her apartment, they found spell instructions, and then they found uh, frozen cow tongues in her freezer, which is a very common spell to get people to stop talking. Um, you 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 take something of that person's, you put it inside the cow tongue, you bind it up ritually, and then you freeze it. I'm sure you get the symbolism of a frozen tongue. Um, and so they, you know, the 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 police found this, and and so you do have these uh, occasional run-ins where evidence of spellcraft is winds up being, you know. 
Unethical. collected along with other tides of evidence. Right, right. Uh, but for the most part, you know, where you can do something horrible and not have the normal consequences of, say, going up and punching someone in the face. Well, at the risk uh, of sounding ignorant, I mean, if you are vegan, are you limited in what you can uh, do? No, you know, just just like uh, just like vegans and, and the diet, there are ways that they have around this, that, and the other thing, you know. Um, there, there are certainly many, many spells that don't in, I mean, most spells don't involve any kind of animals or animal parts or something. Um, you know, but maybe you want to it depends on how far you want to go with it. Do you want to check to see if your incense has musk in it or not? Uh, so, you know, and, and some do. There are, for instance, uh, spirits that uh, are widely considered real throughout India and Nepal and Tibet called Nagas. These are serpent spirits, and they... Uh, when people burn incense to them, they make sure that there is no musk or animal perfumes in them whatsoever because they're fierce vegetarians. Um, some rituals, they demand that the people doing the rituals haven't eaten eggs for 24 hours. And, and, and if they do, then bad things happen. So, And how can you... Let's say there's a, a pre-existent... Um spell how you want to use that spell can you replace items if there isn't if there's a meaning for the replacement can that how does that work yeah Yeah, sure i mean spells items can be replaced um but like i said everything changes it slightly may make it better may make it uh the same but slightly different but it's nothing is ever exactly the same just like with any other recipe you know i can replace um you know i can if i'm making uh grilled salmon and i'm out of maple syrup for the marinade i can use brown sugar it's not going to taste the same exactly but it will still be damn good it will just be its own thing so uh, it'll get the job done. It'll bring that sweetness there, but it'll taste slightly different. Have you ever had a spell war? Has someone, you know, Devin, that you were aware of, try to cast a spell on you, or maybe a client came to you and said, "Look, I know this so and so, and I'm pretty sure that they're trying to cast a, a negative spell on me. Can you help me?" Yeah, sure. Uh, my first book was is was protection and reversal magic, and it was, you know, uh, not solely about that, uh, but it was a lot of that went into it. There are people who uh, have told me flat out that they they want to curse me for this, that, or the other thing, and most of the time. Um, it's younger people who are just dabbling in, in which case I go to my guardians and I actually offer them some incense to, to not, you know, not hurt this person or, or anything like, you know, to not, uh, you know, to protect me, myself and my family, of course, but not to, uh, 
do retribution on this person who doesn't really know what they're talking about or getting into. Um, and how do you know can, if that if that works or not? Well, you know, I in that case, I don't know if I would know. You know, I, I usually, if people get like that, I, I don't keep contact with them. I, you know, sure. I, yeah. just, you know I, I don't need that kind of stuff in my life, and I'm, I don't have anything to prove to anybody, so I'm not worried about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when clients have come to me and they, they are sure that so-and-so did a spell on them or something like that, um, unless there is... A clear evidence that a per- that the person they think did it did it. In other words, they saw them do something. They collected something. Um, they the person said they were going to do it. I generally don't recommend doing anything with that person's name involved. So, in other words. I'm going to counter curse this person or something like that. I wouldn't recommend that because you can be wrong. You know, your your divinations can be wrong. Um, and you, well, can there be, do a, uh, you can do a reversal without that, and it might go back to somebody different. Or it might not go back to anybody at all. It might go back to uh, a spiritual cause or something. Well, could there be uh, unintentional consequences, not just um, for the bad spells, but for, for good spells? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, you know, th- there's one of the chapters in the book is is uh, all magic has a body count, you know. Um, and um, at least I think that's the name of one of the chapters. <laughs> um, or one of the axioms in there that all sorcery has a body count. And it, it does, it's not a literal body count, but when you are doing something, uh, it affects other people, even if it's back to that promotion that we were talking about. If I get the job, you don't get the job. You know, if I, if I was to go the, the full caveat and you harm none, harm no one with the spell. Well, then I have effectively done a spell against me getting that job, if you also want the job, right? Because it's a harm to you if I get it. So well, isn't that one of the um, so important tenets of, of um, at least of Wicca? It's, my understanding is, as long as you do no harm to others, do as you will. Is that universal or... No, it's, it's definitely not universal. Uh, you know, the the history of cursing is as long and as varied as the history of magic itself. Um, it, it's it's absolutely uh, a long-standing part of magic. So that's that is uh, a tenet of Wicca not to do harm with magic. Not to do harm with magic. So, it- but again, it's it's it's. It's a question of how far can you really take that idea of no harm? And what do the powers that you're in collusion with, let's call it, consider no harm? Uh, I I guess I would see it in the category of the butterfly effect. Um, 
magic aside, no matter what you're going to do, let's say your intention is to to help somebody um, cross the road. In your action of helping that person cross the road, maybe had you not done that, um, someone else might not have thought, oh, I I can cross the road now with their bike. They get ahead of you and they get hit by a car. It wasn't your fault, but had you not done that, that person would not have been hit by a car. And so my advice is to get comfortable with that idea Um, because, you know, and and for a long time, people get – and this is why I'm not one for separating out magic for special treatment from other types of action in the sense of, you know, well, we must not do any harm with magic. We can do any kind of other crappy thing that we want, but, but not with magic. And and influence, you know, we can do anything we want to influence somebody. We can find out the type of music that that our potential date likes, and and the type of food they like, and dress in the way that they that their friend told us they found attractive, or or anything like that to influence and present the best self. That that let's face it, might be a false self just to. You know, brings gets up, get your foot in the door. Mm-hmm. Um, yet the slightest hint that there is a magical influence, not not a not a binding or anything like this, but then people go bananas. Like you have just magically bent the will of this other person. Like, you, like, like a cheater. Yeah, like they're you know, and I and I always say people people, it's an influence. Like it's. N- a spell is not going to turn into someone into your zombie love slave. It's you know, um, there are by and large. Who, who, who really wants a zombie love slave? Really? <laughs> Have you seen zombies? Yeah, <laughs> but um, you know, it it's, it it doesn't work like that. So. I tell people, listen, you know, have the kinds of ethics with magic that you do in life. Um, If this is something you would go for using ordinary or even fairly strong means to, to achieve, then by all means, use magic. And people will say, but it's an unfair advantage. Well, so is being tall, so is being good-looking, so is having money, so is having an inheritance, so is having an Ivy League education. Everyone in life has almost incalculable privileges and oppressions upon them. Now, some are weighed much heavier than others, don't get me wrong, but, uh, you know, we use what we can. So I, I always tell people... Your ethics for life should be your ethics for magic. Well, that, to me, that uh, only makes sense because it, it seems to me that if if magic is what is a part of your life, that is a spiritual aspect of of who you are. And um, so, any sort of spiritual um, philosophy that you have should be applied to all aspects of your life. Do you, you know, do you find that you have grown spiritually because of because of your spellcrafting and, and use of magic. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, for me, the way that I practice magic is heavily linked to my spirituality, and and it is not the same for everybody. But 
meditation plays a large role in my uh, magical training as well as my spiritual training. I favor mystical methods, methods that embrace silence and contemplation. Um, I have done, uh, you know, a lot of work in the tantric spiritual traditions, Vajrayana Buddhism, and so on. Um, so, for me, the spiritual work and the magical work have gone hand in hand. And at times, one has led directly to the other, or they fed off each other almost like a loop. And you have throughout the world lots of examples where magic leads people to uh, attain spiritual attainments. There's a great story. Uh, of a burglar in Tibet who breaks into a guru's house and he's he's going to rob this guru and uh, the guru does some magic to stop the guy, right? And so the guy then bows and he says, you know, you are so powerful, such a great and powerful uh, being. Can you uh, can you teach me how to become invisible? Because I would be a really great burglar if I could turn invisible. And so the Lama says, "Yeah, sure. You know, so uh, let me give you this mantra. And if you say this mantra, um, you know, ten million times while circling the great stupa of wherever the hell it was in the story." Um, a snake will appear out of the ground. And a sword, your mala, which is your prayer beads, will turn into a sword. You chop the head off the serpent, and you will achieve the city, the, the magical power of, of turning invisible. And so with the motivation to become Tibet's greatest cat burglar, he goes to the stupa, and he begins circumambulating it walking around it and around it and around it and he's chanting the mantra over and over and over again saying it thousands upon thousands of times and sure enough you know months years later whenever he finishes he reaches the number the snake appears his mala turns into a sword chops the head off and he does in fact attain the city of becoming invisible but he also attains the maha city of enlightenment so now he's not so interested in burglarizing anymore. Okay, well, <laughs> that's because a great story. Let's, like let's pick it up when we come back after the uh, this last break. My guest is uh, Jason Miller, author of Elements of Spellcrafting. We will be right back. All right, so Jason, um, where can people find out more about you? Um, I know we mentioned your sites earlier, but is there anything else you'd like to emphasize? Uh, in, well, you know, uh, I have courses. Uh, I teach the Strategic Sorcery course, which is a one-year course in Practical Magic. Take Back Your Mind course, which is six months of meditation and mindfulness training. Um, and I've got the Sorcery of Hecate course, which is a very it's it's deep training for people that want something very structured, very committed, um, 
it has been called the the what is it the PX90 of magic where you know people are really like holy crap this is a lot of work <laughs> this is you know this is way more uh, than I expected to be biting off so for people that want to have something every day that they're committed to that is going to ask something of them beyond just kind of being a groovy occult person well do people uh, think that, magic is easy them. do they come to you and just expect it to be super super easy a lot do a lot do um, a lot of people are into magic because they think it's a easy solution to their problems um, and they don't last very long but even in the occult community there are people who put uh, you know a hundred times more effort into posting online chatting in Facebooks meeting with the local pagan coffee clutch um, then they do any kind of ritual magic, any kind of meditation, mm-hmm. chanting exercise, offerings, any of the things that, that make a practice, not just doing a spell, but make one a, a magician. You know, um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's work if you want to get good at it. When people yeah. always say, Oh, I've been practicing for a number of years. I say, I always say, the question isn't years; it's hours. <laughs> yeah, I, it's not the best parallel, but you know, I wonder if if this is true too. I mean, you know, just like anything else, we we approach in life, we can sort of like wax and wane, right? Our our in, our intensity of a uh, focus on that. Um, but in the smallest way, like it, you know, Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or whatever it is. You know, for a while I would kind of like feel like, oh God, I have to keep keep doing this. I have to keep up with this. Got to keep up with this. And then I got to the point where I was like, you know, I realized I was just going through these waves, right? So I went through this wave of like I was enthusiastic, more enthusiastic these this week or the or the previous week, and I just posted more. And then a week would go by and I posted very little. And instead of like beating myself up, like, oh, you know, you got to promote the show, you got to get out there, you got to you know get those posts online. Um, I feel much better just going, you know what? You know, one, maybe none today. And the next week there might be three or four posts in the day. Um, you know, I think that, that that's sort of like a natural, anything you find interest in, you know, unless it's your career, of course, I, you know, it's different. You kind of have to have to get up and do it no matter what. Um, but, you know, it's it's okay to sort of wax and wane over to, over time and, and you can still get better at something, right? Oh, it is. And, and you know, especially... I mean, with everything, um, there are periods where, I mean, there are some things that once you're committed to, you want to do them every day, whether you feel like doing them or not. Uh, a little like brushing your teeth or some kind of physical exercise or, you know, keeping a good diet. The, these are things where, uh, you know, you have a minimum commitment, right? that you want to keep and then there are times where you'll up it and then there are times where you'll you'll fall back a little bit um but you know it's funny you mentioned the 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 posting and whatnot i was thinking today that it's been i think a couple weeks since i posted anything on my blog and then before that there was a period of uh where i was posting two three times a week 
And it really, I don't worry about it too much either, even though it is my career, because people people will have their, people will respond to what's authentic much better and much more than they respond to things that are just there to be there. Right. So if you're always posting stuff and it's just kind of there to take up space or maybe promote yourself and Mm -hmm. and not that there's anything wrong with that, but I always make sure if I'm promoting myself on the blog, you know, right away, this is Jason selling a course here, not a, (laughs) hey, you, you know, here's a great article about how to do something. And then you get to the bottom of the editorial and it turns out it was an ad all along. I hate that. Um, So, you know, stuff like that. You want to you want to make sure that your audience or the people that follow you or even just casually know that they're getting uh, something that you're jazzed about. You know, he's posting because he's really interested in this or really excited about this, not because he wants to look good today or he's filling a quota. Right, or trying to gain followers, or yeah, some, something, something that right. like some you know, artificial number that I mean, you know, I, someone gives you. I mean, you. of course, you you want followers. You know, if you you've got ads for a podcast, you want followers, and and uh, I sell courses, so I want readers and and followers and things mm-hmm. like that. But the way you get them is to provide good stuff and give of yourself. At least if you're in the long term, there are all kinds of you know, ways to fudge it and coerce and appear, you know, do funky stuff to get short-term bursts of attention. And well, right. that's and not, it's, it's, you know, there's things that we want, but it's not greed motivated. Right. So in, ma- in magic itself, you know, is that, is that true as well? If you're, if you are greedy and, and that, that is a driving force behind what you are, um, whatever spell you're casting, right? Is does that affect the spell in any way, or? Um, it it does if you're not calling upon spirits that are okay with greed. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's not so much a problem with greed or or self-interest if it's in if what you're doing is in alignment with them and also how we're defining greed so for me greed is sort of i want you to buy my stuff and i want your money and i don't really care how right and that's not me that's 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 not cool it comes off you know people can smell it a mile away uh, and and it's it's just not good but there are spirits who are mercenary and there are spells for it that will work and uh, but you know in the long run it doesn't usually work out for people um unless they're really unless they're all about money in which case unfortunately 
just like in, you know, so many of my answers for how does this shake out with magic really come back to, well, how does this shake out within other ways? Do greedy people ever get wealthy? Well, yeah. <laughs> do you know? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah they, they do. Um, now, sometimes people that are just. People, people can in, smell it, though. People can smell it. And there's right. a big difference. You know, I, I, I'm lucky enough to pe- to know a few people in, in the, up in the seven figure, not necessarily the 0.001 percenters, but, you know, people that make well into the seven figure mark. And so there's a big difference between the people who are greedy, they don't care, they just want their money and they're, they're out, that's the only thing that matters, versus people who get there through they're interested in money and they're they're they view having money as a good thing mm-hmm. but they're selling for people not to people you know what i mean they're 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 providing something that they honestly think is good for the people who they're providing it to and th- those people are my role models when it comes to business well, and magic <laughs> Well, what got you interested in, in magic in the first place, or rather maybe a better way to put it is, um, you know, was there something you um, read or a person you met that inspired you to get involved in magic? A history or? Yeah, well, I mean, the brief history of how I got involved with magic actually starts with a, a paranormal experience I had when I was five years old on the playground. I, I, I don't know if I got clocked on the head or whatever, but... I remember looking down at the sand because, you know, back in the 70s, playgrounds had sand, not padded everything. And uh, then I looked up, but I, I didn't just look up from the sand. I looked up from, like, all of reality. Like, like three-dimensional space just stayed there, and I kind of looked up from it. <laughs> and uh, after that, I would have these experiences that were for lack of a better word, like Whitley Stryber S where there were beings there and everything around me would seem to freeze. And I was kind of, I was sort of like paralyzed, but I could hear and see. And, uh, this always stuck with me. The, not necessarily anything that they said, but this idea that there was sort of another world just behind the one we normally perceive. And so, when I got old enough, uh, I started to want to explore this. And I was very lucky, um, perhaps even guided, that even though I grew up in Jackson, New Jersey, in the middle of kind of nowhere, um, I encountered a, uh, a Rosicrucian magician I, who was willing to mentor me. I encountered uh, a root doctor uh, who was willing to teach me how to use anything that I could buy in his shop, uh, a, a Santetta, the same deal, and I, I wound up babysitting her son a lot, so I you know, got to sit and learn and informally that way, and uh, finally, uh, John Mearden Reynolds, who was the first... Uh, Westerner to take vows as a, a what's called a nakba in Tibet, it's basically like a, a non-monastic sorcerer priest, mm-hmm. um, and so 
they all just helped cultivate this uh, this interest in magic and and guide me along my own studies. Not that they said, you know, no one no one said, let us bring you into the secret training program. Right. But it was really kind of like, well, you know, what do you think of that book? And, and what are you doing with that? And how do, you know, so it was, uh, it was, I was very blessed having a lot of older people around me that were experienced uh, to guide me that a lot of people don't have the luck to have. Which is probably so what do they why do? I started they, they my just courses. go out and get a book and they teach themselves? In some cases. Mm-hmm. Um, that That's one of the reasons that I developed the training programs that I have is to, to try to provide that to some people. Uh, unfortunately, once something gets popular, then you can no longer do it one-on-one. You have to scale. So, mm-hmm. um, But, uh, yeah, you know, pe- people do, uh, they pick up a book and they take a stab at it. And I am all for it. Um, well, let me ask you about titles. So does it matter, you know, whether you're called a witch or a sorcerer or... Or what have you? Yeah, you know, people put a lot of stock in in, in these different titles, mm-hmm. and so witches. If you talk to six different people that use the term witch, I'm sure you'll get six different answers. Mm-hmm. But one of the answers you'll get is that witchcraft is a religion, and might there might be. I don't know, even half the people that use the term witch these days that are not really interested in magic. They're interested in worshipping the old gods, they're interested in uh, the seasonal rites, they're interested in maybe the old gods in the sense of prayer, and they call it spells, but not necessarily magic in the sense of formulas and, and and doing something beyond what would be considered prayer in another religion. So then you also have magicians. Well, magicians might very well be involved in magical orders that frown on practical magic, and they do Kabbalah and summon angels for spiritual wisdom and things like this. And so you might call yourself a magician and have absolutely no interest in any kind of practical magic that affects the world around you at all. So, the but isn't, isn't could, calling down spirits, isn't that magic? It is. It is. It is. It, 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 it absolutely is. But it's not spellcraft. Gotcha. It's, okay. it's, it's different. Um, and and look, whether you're calling down an angel or you're meeting the angel halfway or your astral projecting, then yeah, certainly that is magic. Um, you know, it, for my definition, acupuncture is magic. You know, it, it the, the working of meridians and things. Or Reiki. Uh, 
Absolutely. Reiki okay. is type of magic. And, and when you follow those things and you investigate them deep enough, you eventually get to the stuff that is unmistakably magic, where you can channel the energy in the meridians or the nadis in yoga to achieve certain effects, breathe certain ways. And if you, if you read some of the yogic texts beyond uh, you know what you find in sort of your class at the local gym, you'll see a lot of you know breath and concentration applied towards even bending other people to your will in a very traditional magical sense. But the sorcerer is someone who is unmistakably you know casting a spell. He's doing something to affect reality, and it's also bridges the gap between that witch versus magician whereas the witch tends to be an archetype that is intellectual represented primarily by females um, lunar oriented Mm -hmm. intuitive the magician tends to one tends to think of a male and again that's a gross stereotype that doesn't hold but but represent archetypally uh, intellectual well, yeah, I mean, over intuition, men seem, solar, you know. Yeah, I'm sorry. Men seem to be okay with being called witches, many of them, right? Oh, yeah, um, and they should but, be. And, and what about women? Can can they be called sorcerers? Yeah, yeah. I mean, these days, anyone can call anything they want, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and, the, and what about the actual, you know, this idea of having sex? You know, so like I said, I have a friend who considers himself a gardenarian um, but it seems to me that there are so many variations, and because there's no dogma per se um, within the realm of of you know witchcraft, that you can be your own version of witchcraft, which means you don't have a title, right? You can just be, I'm a witch, I'm a sorcerer, I don't belong to this sector or that. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely, and and then there will be people who will smile and nod and say, ha ha, yeah, you know, of course, but, you know, you don't know what we know in the Gardnerian circle or, or the Golden Dawn or whatever it is that they do. Um, and, and so they can think of themselves as like, well, we're the real deal. But then there will be people who will say, well, no, you know, the witch over the course of history was not a member of this initiatory group Uh, was very much a person who had a talent for magic and could walk into the forest and and, and, uh, you know speak for herself and uh, and speak with the spirits herself Uh, so who is closer to the witch so yeah well, and does that help? Does it does it make much of a difference being closer to nature or, um, you know, performing a spell outside or under the moon and <laughs> I suppose or rising depends. sun, whatever. But but, yeah. but close to nature, not in your house or you know. It depends on the type of magic you're doing. Uh, there are some types of magic where you're interacting with nature spirits. You're interacting with. Um, you know, those kinds of really earthbound natural forces where if it's not vital to be outside, it is at least helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, if it is a good astrological time and it's 
raining outside and storming and you can't concentrate very well and you're freezing your took us off then it doesn't really you know what is the greater problem being in your house or not being able to hear anything or concentrate very well <laughs> so yeah. it really it's a case by case thing um, and also people you know that are dedicated to this they typically have uh, if not a whole room they typically have an altar somewhere that has been consecrated that has you know is dedicated to this thing so that it the altar and the space itself builds up power over time that it becomes this place of power for them well, if I can call it a parallel between, um, you know, Tim Leary's set and setting, and and this, I think that would be fair, right? Because in, yeah, in, in a way, when you have your your altar or um, you know your sanctuary at home, I you know I think most people they're kind of emulating the enchantment that nature just naturally provides for us, and you're doing that within within that, your own space, and I, I don't know, I just feel like there is a natural energy um, within nature. And when you go camping, like we were saying earlier, unplugging and you know, tapping into that, it's you have to make less of an effort. You know, nature is kind of feeding you that, that energy just by being close to it. I, I totally agree. I totally agree. But, you know, if you're doing uh, work with your ancestors, then having some of their items on hand is sort of what's the key thing. Um, if you're doing work with spirits of a particular planet, then it might not might not matter whether you're outside or not facing that planet. It might matter more that you are surrounded with the colors and signs of that planet. Um, Secrecy is another thing. If this, if you're doing an elaborate ceremony, well, you know, it would be nice to have a big space outdoors to do an elaborate ceremony where no one can watch. Right. But unless you live in Vermont uh, and, and have a lot of land, it's not necessarily going to happen at the city park. Um, you know, maybe you can tell some people to, to stand outside with cameras and pretend you're filming a movie or something, but uh, which, which, is, which has been done um, when we wanted to do a, a ritual in a city park at one point. We, we got a few people that were in film school and said, you know, just keep people out of this area, tell them we're filming a movie. But we we're not, in fact, filming. <laughs> um, but, That's clever, um, though. <laughs> um, and... and so this it's it's you know what the set and the setting is yet another ingredient it's not it matters but it's not the only thing that matters and it can be replaced it but it changes the spell so well, what, it's, what can't be replaced i mean what is essential You know, it depends on what you're doing. There are people who do magic that 
claim spirits have little or nothing to do with it. It's them, uh, their mind, their energy. They claim it works through energy. There are people who claim that any talk of the human mind or of energy being involved, that's all horse crap. That it's, it is, in fact, all spirits. <laughs> that there, and nothing but just spirits answering calls and, and doing stuff in exchange for offerings. Um, I, I tend to the view that it's all real. Um, and it, it really depends on what you're doing. So there's very little that is indispensable and irreplaceable as far as stuff. For me, it is, it is a clear mind and a good perception that is irreplaceable. Do you think um, witchcraft can make the world a better place? Yes. Yes, I do believe it can. I, I believe that if people start using their magic and their witchcraft to achieve things that that make their life and the better, they can start to make the lives of those around them better. Yeah. And if that involves becoming a person who has a little bit of say in things, a little bit of power in things, then maybe you can do a better job than people currently who have those roles. And, so tip things uh, in, the, in the favor of, of good fortune. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're, we're getting close to the end here. Is there, is there anything that you wanted to, to, to add before we go? No. Um, you know, uh, apart from the usual push of the book and, and courses and all that kind of jazz, I would just say, um, you know, the, the new book Elements of Spellcrafting exists solely for you to take the magic that you're already doing and do it better. Um, one of the one of the first the reviews it got on Amazon the first day was complaint about the book that there's there are no spells in the book. In other words, it's not a book you open up and you find this is your spell for money. This is your spell for this. These are the ingredients. Da, 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 da. And I kind of said that right in pretty much the ad for the book it says there are enough spells out there but people you know people aren't using them in the best way so this is a best practices for how to get the most out of this maybe that maybe that didn't come across to this reader um but that's the idea if you don't know any spells i've got other books judica hills has the encyclopedia of 5,000 spells, you know? I mean, how many more do you really need? Um, so whatever it is you're doing, there are probably ways to apply it better. There are things, ways to aim it better, and there are a lot of really bad nuggets of wisdom that are counterproductive uh, that you should probably jettison. Uh, and I well, explain why. And, and very, very quickly, yes or no answer because we don't do politics on the show. But can politicians, can their words, put people under a spell? 
Yes. Okay, so let's let's leave it at that. Um, thank you so much, Jason, for for having us on the show. I mean, for ha- coming on our show. And uh, yeah, if you want to get more information about Jason Miller, um, just go to Amazon, and you can find his books there. Um, tonight, we're speaking about the elements of spellcrafting: twenty-one keys to successful sorcery. Um, and of course, if you want to find out about future shows for Paranormal Now, just go to Facebook at Paranormal Now Radio, or go to Instagram, which I uh, hang out at the most, um, and. That's at Paranormal Now. And of course, we're on Twitter as well. All right. Thank you for joining us. This is Alan B. Smith for Paranormal Now. And until next time, live in the mystery. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.